what's going on, Mike, with this story with Boris Johnson and this British woman who works for Thomson Reuters Foundation and Baza stepped in and seems to have thrown this up into some sort of conundrum. What what went on here? What what was the story? Who look, is look? This is a this is a huge story. Uh, it's being certain aspects of it are being completely downplayed in the mainstream media. Um, but this is a woman, uh, uh, Nazanin Zagari Radcliffe. Uh, she's a British Iranian, uh, and she's got family in Iran. Now, she says that she was over there visiting family on holiday, and, uh, you know, we've at this point, we've no reason to doubt that. Uh, but the fact is that uh, she works for Tom- Thompson Reuters Foundation, and pr- prior to that, she worked for uh, BBC Media Action. Uh, and, uh, unfortunately, the Iranians seem to have grabbed onto the the fact that she's working for these organizations and they are accusing her of subversion uh, and allegedly plotting to topple the Iranian regime. Now, um, we've got to be very careful about this because uh, there's court cases going on and it's fair enough that this woman's entitled to be considered innocent until she's proven guilty. Uh, But the fact of the matter is that we have some pretty significant questions to ask about the activities of Thomson Reuters Foundation and particularly BBC Media Action. Now, they seem to carry out the same types of operations. So if I just sort of talk about BBC Media Action for a minute or two. Sure, uh, go ahead. Because uh, that organization, let's look at who funds that is that separate from the BBC? Do they have they set up a sort of a not not for profit shell that or a foundation for media action? How it, how's the structure of right? This? It, it it is supposed to be a, a charitable organization. It's owned by the BBC, but it's not funded by the BBC. Uh, it shares the BBC's pension pot, so it can't be separated. It's not independent. It operates in the from the same offices. It it shares a pension pot, uh, and it's funded by the likes of the. Uh, Foreign Commonwealth Office, the Department for International Development, the, the uh, U.S. State Department, the European Union. Whoa, whoa, slow down, Mike. You, are, BBC Media Action gets money from USAID? Uh, from separate budgets from the U.S. State Department and from USAID. Oh, my goodness. It has two separate budgets from uh, Department for International Development. Uh, it has uh, money coming from uh, BNB Mott McDonald from the United Nations. How'd they pull that off? From the from right now, what does this organisation do? It sends, uh, it it does carry out journalism training, which is what Boris Johnson said that this woman was doing by mistake or not. Uh, he said this in front of the uh, Foreign Affairs Select Committee on the first of uh, November, um, and so it does do that. But as well as that, what it does is it takes. Uh, it goes into countries uh, and helps people uh, within countries set up uh, media organizations that might perhaps produce uh, a, a soap opera. And the soap opera would be covering social issues and trying to uh, change people's minds on certain social issues and so on. But uh, just to, to why we have to be, uh, on one hand, careful about this particular case, on the other hand, we have to appreciate that what this organization has done is has resulted in bloodshed in certain countries. And I'm just going to give you a quote here. This is from Juliet Harkin, who's a former project manager for BBC Media Action. Uh, and she was talking about Syria. And she said, we, BBC Media Action, we worked in 2004 with individuals within the Syrian ministry who wanted change 
and tried to get them to be the drivers of that. The BBC went into a country and got involved with people within the, the, the Syrian government uh, and attempted to foment change by supporting those people. All media development, she said, all media development work that has been done within Syria has, in my opinion, been predicated upon the idea that there can be change from within, you have an authoritarian regime, and you find who the reformers are within the, that regime, and you work with them. This is subversion. There is no question about that. It is admitted to by this woman, uh, and this is why British Foreign Office, Department for International Development, are funding them. This is what the BBC is up to. Uh, and you have to ask the, the serious question, how much of this activity contributed to what happened in Syria in 2011? Now, just think about this. You have a global media organization, the BBC, putting their people into a country, subverting that country from within, creating what some people describe as a civil war, and then you send your BBC journalists in to cover the war. You're creating your own stories. It is the most unbelievable business model you can you can imagine. It, right? And a, cer a certain panorama program just came into my head, Mike, saving serious children. Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is what BBC Media is Action is doing. Now, this woman uh, was working for BBC Media Action. She's now working for Thompson Reuters Foundation. Thompson Reuters Foundation seems to be doing the same type of thing. Um, and uh, so... Uh, so what did the Thompson Reuters, what they identify uh, talent, young talent, or... Uh, and they're, tra they're training, training journalists. Training them in the and, system. And, right? so, so if you, if you want to send uh, journalists into a country to to develop uh, media with a certain narrative. You maybe bring them outside the country and you give them a certain type of training uh, and they go back with that certain type of training and, and away you go. Like in the UK and then send them back kind of thing? Exactly. That's yeah. exactly uh, sure. what, what's going on, right? That's interesting. So, so uh, I'm going to stop you there just quickly. Hold that thought, Mike. Um, the French government is doing the exact same thing through, through the French uh, ministry that funds Canal France. And that, that agency, that arm of the French government, uh, has funded and equipped and trained the Aleppo Media Center. Now, Aleppo Media Center are the ones that put out the images of Dusty Boy Omran, among many, many other sort of what very dubious reports out of Aleppo. Okay, that's French government funded. And who was running point on that? Basma Kumadi is one of the people who was working with some of these people in France. She was at Bilderberg in, in uh, 2011, I think. And so... The, these sort of people are directly involved with the opposition, with the Syrian National Council, the sort of opposition government put together by the West. And you have this French outfit, government run, government funded, basically pumping that stuff out through the rebel held areas. Right. Similar to what you're talking about, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so you know, you could say that, uh, well, you could ask the question, what age was this woman when she was uh, working with BBC Media Action? Did she appreciate what she was doing? Uh, and, uh, well, in fact, she was 28 or 29 at the time. Uh, so I don't think that she was, she could, she has any right to claim naivety or uh, not really understanding what the, 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 the purpose of the organization is. Well, she, she they she, could, if, if you're so, if you're ideologically kind of, um, uh, 
completely taken with sort of the Western dominated narrative, you could, you could easily be working for one of these organizations, micro NGO and think that you are absolutely on the right side. And, and you wouldn't think twice about what you're doing is the right thing, you know, spreading freedom and democracy and women's rights and the usual sort of laundry list of, of things that we need to do to all these countries to make them free, right? Um, there's a lot of people who work in these institutions and they absolutely uh, – I have no reason to think that they wouldn't believe that up to a certain age, I would imagine. Yes, but you can't then, having done that, you can't then go to that country and expect that the – the whatever government is in position at the time is going to you know, welcome you with open arms, can you? Well, you and I <laughs> might think that, but some of these people might not, Mike. They might honestly think that they're not doing anything wrong, or in the at least in the eyes of the of the, of the governments of these countries, that uh, what they're doing is just good journalism, right? So let's look at the story that really set off the alarm bells in Iran was was by Reuters, and so Reuters went in there and filmed. Uh, it was a karate martial arts women's tr- training facility. And they put out a story, I think, uh, and this was in 2012, 2011, that, that the, the Iran was training armies of nin- ninja female assassins. I'm not making this up. This is what Reuters was putting out. And so this might be one of the reasons, um, why, uh, Miss uh, Ratcliffe Zagari is that Zagari Ratcliffe? Zagari Ratcliffe. Why she why she has been put in this frame uh, as an employee of Thomson Reuters? Listen to this. This is Press TV recounting this Reuters amazing piece of Reuters journalism. Here, listen to this. Reuters claimed last month that Iran has trained more than 3,000 female ninjas as assassins. It showed a number of Iranian girls training in martial arts in a city near Tehran. The Reuters claim was repeated by some other British media. Let's look at this clip. It might look like yoga or a harmless exercise class, but these women could be the West's worst enemy. Far from any old martial arts lessons, these are Iran's ninja. I'm just going to stop it right there, Mike, and I'll come back to this in a minute. Is that not propaganda? Did you hear the music kick in? Ooh. You might think that these with the big hammy voice, you know, the BBC Radio 4 hammy sort of. Is, is this not propaganda? Uh, yes. <laughs> Russia couldn't produce anything like this. They they don't have the no one does propaganda Mike like the United States and Britain. I'm sorry, we, these are the world leader in propaganda right now. Let's listen to the rest of this Reuters report. Listen to this: assassins, and they are deadly serious. The Iranian athletes accused by British media of being assassins say they are suing Reuters. <laughs> the Reuters report can definitely be a problem. It can harm our chances to travel to other countries to take part in world tournaments and international championships. Because Good point. Good point by this young lady here in Iran. It can hurt their chances of competing in international tournaments when a major Western news agency is putting out lies. lies yeah. Right? As <laughs> so. Reuters is considered by many to be a reliable source. At this point, there is not much they can do to undo the damage. That is why we are taking legal action. We want the whole world to know that Reuters has lied about us. 
Sensi Akbar Faraji, who established Ninjutsu in Iran over 22 years ago, also condemned the British media accusations, saying his students will pursue the complaint to the end. We have filed a defamation suit against Reuters, and we intend to pursue it as far as it is necessary, because it is a matter of reputation, not just for us, but for the young boy and girls who are training in ninjutsu. Reuters has introduced us as assassins to the whole world. The truth must come to light, and everyone should know that we are only a group of athletes. We are supervised by the Ministry of Sports and the Federation of Martial Arts. All right, we'll leave it there, Mike. But I mean, so I've seen the mainstream media. I saw this with my own eyes, Mike, last week uh, when I was in Baghdad. We were at a press conference with the leader of the Hashtal Shabi, okay, uh, Abu Mahdi Mohandas, okay. And the journalist from Associated Press was sitting right next to him. And everybody got a chance to ask their questions around the table, right? I look at her article the next day, it comes out. And basically, she she claimed it was an exclusive interview, firstly, which is not true. Secondly, she cherry-picked some other people's questions as part of her exclusive interview. And pretended they, they were hers? They were hers. Is that not plagiarism, um, in it, a sense? Well, she, she wasn't open about, completely open about that. And she totally uh, took some of his statements out of context. Okay, And he told jokes as well. He made a joke about Rex Tillerson. And she 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 put it out to make it seem like he was you know laying an open challenge to Tillerson you know almost violent right, but the the, the way it was done it was a total hatchet job on the hash deal shabi the people's uh, mobilization units but so what they do is they show up they smile I'm sure they go to to Tehran here to this uh, martial arts female center. They take their camera they film everything's fine oh we just love what you're doing. Oh, we just love what you're doing. And as soon as they get on the plane and leave, then the hatchet job begins. Mm. And then so people see this stuff in the media. They're horrified. Some people in, in, in Iraq were horrified to read this, uh, this woman. Uh, she's, she, I think she's the head of the uh, AP Bureau in Erbil in Kurdistan. Okay, So when she was safe in Erbil, she drafted this hatchet job story, which is a total mischaracterization of, on so many levels. And this is normal for mainstream media. This is what they do. So what is that all about? That's propaganda. It's, it's not journalism. I'm telling you, this is not journalism. If that's journalism, if, if, if someone's going to stand there and tell me that's journalism, or this, this Reuters story is unbelievable. Female ninja assassin army? Are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, did they really think they're going to push? They push that out there. To a global audience. So, so based on that, Mike, do you think that the Iranians are within their right to be su- suspicious about the Thomson Reuters Foundation operating in their country? Would they have grounds for suspicion? Uh, uh, they have grounds for suspicion. Is it but, warranted? But they have, yes, and they also have grounds for suspicion on BBC Media Action because they have acknowledged what they're doing and they've admitted it publicly. Right. So, so, so. So it gets to we're back to this woman. So in uh, the distraction is Boris Johnson said that she was training journalists and somehow they're saying that they gave an extra five years on her sentence because of what Johnson said. Well, that, that hasn't happened yet. It, so it's, <clears throat> but, but, uh, it's a distraction, the, isn't it? Well, no, no, I don't think it, I don't think that's a distraction. I think I think Boris was 
Why did he say what he said? I think he was. I think that was a, a, a definite case of incompetence mm. uh, because he, uh, which is, he, he he didn't think and he didn't appreciate that, that what the implications of what he was saying were. Yeah, because why would you if you're a foreign secretary of a major country? Why would you think and consider the implications of what you said? I mean, that's just. Well, he he claims he claims that uh, he honestly didn't believe that the act of training a journalist uh, would be considered to be a subversive act. But it depends how you're training the journalist, doesn't it? Or, or how detached from reality the foreign secretary is. Exactly. I mean, th- these people are really out of touch, Mike. We have to. We can't forget that, Mike. That some of these people are really out of touch. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean, when Boris Johnson goes on a state visit, it's 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 he thinks he's in a Harry Flashman novel, basically. You know, he's with the <laughs> riding llamas with the fuzzy wuzzies retaking Khartoum, you know, or, you know, down the Khyber Pass with. <laughs> but he, he wasn't the only uh, he wasn't the only person displaying incompetence from the Foreign Office Grove Department for International Affairs. Really? The other person was uh, Ms. Pretty Patel. Ah, yes. Uh, who was uh, off on holiday during the summer, apparently. On holiday, in inverted commas, uh, and just happened to bump into some pretty senior Israeli uh, uh, politicians and, and others while she was in Israel on holiday. Charming holiday destination, uh, and Israel. Just just happened to be on holiday with uh, Lord Polak, who is the uh, honorary chairman of the Conservative Friends of Israel. Uh, th- um, L- lobbyist group. group yeah. yeah yeah okay so just, she, just, they just happen to be there at the same time they're not married they're not related in any way but they happen to be going on holiday at the same time and they just happen to bump into some people for example uh, uh they met with uh uh Yair lapid who's the leader of the centrist uh Yeshatid party uh and uh well uh he was just a personal friend of of lord Polak's just a personal friend of mine, a personal friend. He's more a journalist than a politician. He's the leader of a political party, but he's more of a journalist than a politician. Uh, we just had coffee with him. It wasn't anything. Who else did they formal. bump into? All, did they bump into Bibi? They did. They bumped into Bibi. They, they just just bumped, coincidence. Yes, yes. So right. any, anyway, uh, this this came out somehow. Uh, it was leaked, and uh, and she went and apologized to Theresa May, uh, and that was all fine. Uh, but uh, then more was leaked of more meetings, uh, and unfortunately, she found that uh, she had to uh, resign at that point, or, because allegedly, allegedly, she had misled Teresa by not giving her the full story. But the Jewish Chronicle, strangely enough, had a different uh, take on this. They had some insider information which suggested that uh, Teresa May knew exactly how many meetings had gone on. And the issue wasn't that the meetings had gone on. The issue was that the meetings had gone on without any civil service officials. The Foreign Office was not involved in these meetings. There were no minutes taken. Uh, And so, you know, what actually happened in these meetings, it's not really clear because, uh, you know, there there are no minutes. And what was this business about uh, Patel making uh, a statement to the Israeli leadership that Britain should be uh, giving military aid well, no, to that, Israel. No, no, it was the other way around. She, or financial she aid. Got, or she something. got her instructions from the from the Israeli government, and she came back and tried to encourage uh, Theresa May to allow her to give some Department for International Development money uh, for uh, for Israeli uh, uh, humanitarian projects because they oh, are they are well renowned for humanitarian their humanitarian efforts in the Palestinian. Uh, Absolutely, they, 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 that seems to be all they're doing is just just lovely humanitarian work with the poor. Natives 
that are encased inside a giant wall uh, built by Israel in what is the world's largest open prison, basically. Uh, it's called Gaza and uh, in the West Bank as well, designed to keep them in and not let anybody in, not let anybody out. It's a great uh, free state. It's the only democracy in the Middle East, we're told. Right, so they need money. I guess they, they're not finished building the wall yet. So, um, interesting. Right, well, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to connect our next guest. Uh, we're going live to the Middle East. Uh, we're going to southern Iraq. Um, just before the break, though, I just want to uh, encourage everybody to go check out New Dawn Magazine. Uh, and uh, I've also done an article uh, for them. It's actually the cover story, Zero Hour for the Global Deep State. And so in this article, basically, with New Dawn, I, I basically sketch out this is sort of a critical time, Mike, uh, for the global deep state. Uh, a lot of agenda items have been derailed. Uh, there is a, quite a bit of chaos and realignments going on right now, uh, not just uh, because of Donald Trump, and uh, but we're also talking about the defeat of ISIS and a number of other things, the rise of China. And you have Steve Bannon running around doing conferences for Henry Kissinger now uh, all over the world. So uh, that's all in the New Dawn issue. Uh, there's a link on the margin there. You'll see the New Dawn ad also below on the show page. A great magazine and its strap line, number one magazine for people who think for themselves. That pretty much says uh, what this magazine's all about. So I do uh, encourage people to go check it out. You might pick up this issue uh, if you want to take out a subscription. They'll give you a great deal. Uh, there's deals available right now at uh, New Dawn's website. We're going to take a short commercial break, and we're going to connect our next guest, Issa Ali. We're going to southern Iraq here on the Sunday Wire. We'll be right back after these messages. Five, there'll be someone to jive you and try to keep bringing you down. <laughs> 